0: Hello, I'm the map, 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 us. Awesome.
1: And I'm an extra package of disposable masks that you panic bought but didn't need, Ray. And welcome to
0: <laughs> Skinny... S <laughs> oh.
1: Skinny thoughts share skinny thoughts. Welcome back to the season where we're reviewing the episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 5. This week, Episode 7.
0: So the queens have just voted to eliminate Alexis Mateo the previous week. And as the lip-sync assassin, Roxy Andrews beat out Miss Cracker. It's revealed that Cracker had chosen Alexis's lipstick as well, so she would have gone home anyway.
1: I think Alexis can be proud of herself knowing that she survived three vastly different seasons of the show and hasn't placed lower than fifth on any one of them. That's certainly no mean feat. But it's a shame that India's words from episode 5, there we go again, she's not even here and we're still talking about her, put enough doubt in the girls' minds to vote against her regardless of whether they were true or false. I think Alexis would have made for a fierce top 4 if she was still here, although this lineup with Blair is still extremely strong.
0: That is true. I think, unfortunately for Alexis, the social game just messed her up too badly. All the seeds of doubt planted by India were just too stacked up against her, as well as other things, right? Such as Shay's ever-present suspicion of her all the way back from the week 2 vote. On a lighter note, as the queens read out Alexis' farewell lipstick message on the mirror, signed off towards the girls of AS5, they misread it as love (laughs) Airs. I thought that was hilarious.
1: Moving into this week's challenge, each queen is tasked with performing a stand-up comedy set at RuPaul's Shady Shack. Miss Cracker, being last week's winner, earns the power to decide the order of the queen's sets and I think this moment is when... What I see as her undercurrent of secretly being a so-called villain of the season becomes more explicit for the first time since episode 2. Cracker justifies the order she puts the queens in by saying that each queen has different strengths and she hopes to challenge them, which is a normal explanation. But when you remember she's gotten the infamous villain edit this season, suddenly this reads as a lot more insidious and perhaps even a touch shady. Anywho... Here's Cracker's order. Jujubee goes first to warm up the crowd. Blair goes next because Jujubee is a tough act to follow. Cracker is third because if Blair's confidence is so shaken by following Juju that she bombs, then Cracker's set looks far better in comparison. And Shay closes out the evening because if the crowd does like her, they'll leave wondering if they liked her because she's good or just because she was last. How is this making you feel, Oz?
0: Well, I'm very surprised that everyone's calling Cracker out for being shady because I think the opposite. I actually really admire and appreciate her candor here. And I mean, everyone at this point is going to be competitive and aim for the crown. So I think it'd be a bit remiss... And truly shady to just put everyone in an order that's favourable for you, but try to hem and haw about the bush. Like seriously, were you expecting Cracker to choose a position that's nice for you in the top four? Hello miss. As Cracker puts it in her confessional, all's fair in love and war and definitely drag race.
1: Now the queens begin preparing their material and receive coaching from the hilarious Ross Matthews and this week's guest judge, Jane Krakowski of 30 Rock fame. Right from the outset, the queens each seemed to have very different experiences and feedback, so let's break it down. We start with Jujubee, a natural comedy queen whose jokes were funny, but Ross and Jane didn't think were appropriate for the evening. However, Jane also told Juju that her spot as the opening act was more an advantage than a hindrance because she was the one who would be setting the tone for the night. What are your thoughts?
0: I honestly think Jujubee can do me no wrong in any comedy challenge. Her very essence and character in itself is funny, so I think whenever that is applied to any sort of challenge that's character-related, she will definitely excel. That being said, Juju may suit cracking up a small group of people more than stand up in a room with 100 people when 99 of them don't believe in you. And Ross's reminder here is especially pertinent, giving us the formula of funny, set us up, surprise us, and then land the punchline. After Juju was Blair, and I'm not entirely sure about Blair's level of competency with her stand-up comedy writing. While I do see the jokes that were written, I'm not entirely sure that they're gonna land as funny on the stand-up stage itself, in spite of the judges' positive feedback given to her.
1: I thought the mutual fangirl moment between Blair and Jane was really cute, and Blair's set overall seemed to be a hit with the judges, but my worry was that they could be setting her up to fail by making her overconfident in this workshopping phase. Even the next day preparing, she seemed overconfident, you know, roasting and shit-talking to other contestants. So I'm actually kind of scared for her.
0: Third was Cracker. Cracker seems to be pulling a Thorgy Thor in this challenge prep. Overthinking, preparing, and coming out with a notebook full of content, but not necessarily living in the moment and embracing what's truly funny. I do think that the judges' comments will be quite constructive in forcing her to rethink her paradigm and approach to this challenge, which will hopefully make the actual run more successful.
1: Yeah, I love cerebral brainy humour, but I do agree that Cracker seemed to be saying all her many jokes for the sake of saying them, but in terms of quality, there was great variation so the set definitely needs some fine-tuning and tweaks. Lastly, Shay Kui, whose first set of jokes doesn't seem to be doing it for the judges. Shay says that her humour comes in, like, more natural, conversational settings as opposed to comedy routines, so she's worried about the outcome. Even watching her the next day preparing for the routine, she focuses her attention on preparing her admittedly gorgeous red ball gown instead of her jokes because she said, if I'm gonna fail, I might as well look drop-dead gorgeous but I don't think she needs to worry. I know she'll deliver, as always.
0: I think that out of everyone's consultation with the judges, um, Shay's feedback session with Ross in particular was perhaps the most helpful of all of the contestants, right? Suggesting to her that she can use her harrowing experience at the season 9 finale as the butt of comedy to help everyone and even herself laugh, I thought his direction was really interesting and indeed constructive for her. So hopefully that will be a good direction for her to take to improve her showing in the actual challenge. And now going into the comedy challenge proper, we begin with Juju I think Juju's set here was rather middle of the pack to me. There were some jokes that landed and some that, well, didn't quite land. But I think what was most regrettable about the set was that it didn't feel like a stand-up so much so as a roast because it didn't have a central pitch or central idea to it and kind of felt more like a bombing game, right? Jumping from Ross to Michelle to the other queens.
1: Yeah, and to add on, I think that's the thing about Juju's set. It felt more like a RuPaul's roast more than a stand-up comedy routine. So... I honestly found Juju's set kinda disappointing, because we know her to be so consistently funny, while this week was really hit and miss, to be honest. In a different, perhaps smaller crowd, I think she'd have been better received, but unfortunately her jokes weren't doing it tonight. Following Juju was Blessing St. Clair, whose set was a little rocky, to put it mildly. I feel like her jokes did well in workshopping, but ultimately flopped because her timing was off, mainly from her flipping her notebook so much. There are two fixes for this I think she could have used. Number one, memorize your script, or two, if you can't, then make it a character. For example, a lot of the jokes targeting Blair have to do with her being so young, so she could have said something like, I'm only 24 months old, so please be patient, my mummy just helped me write these jokes and I'm just learning how to read them or something like that, which would possibly make her awkward pauses in flipping more bearable and less of a flaw.
0: Oh no, as Jujubee commented, Oh, I do declare this is a dumpster fire. (laughs) Everyone's probably gonna start flaming Blair for her awkward, crinkly notepad flipping, but I think even before the flipping, her. comedic timing and attention was a bit off already when she made eye contact with her notepad instead of the audience when landing her punchlines. And from there it just went downhill even down to her poaching or Shay's joke back from season 9. If you liked my performance, my name is Shay Kulay, and if you hated it it's Nina Bonina Brown. right? So yeah, dumpster fire is an apt way to put it, I guess. Up next is Miss Cracker, I really loved her performance, and I think we can safely say that it was the top of the week. Right from the start, I think by being obnoxiously loud and effervescent, I think she kind of shook off the crowd's tension and awkwardness from Blair's performance and got everyone to be comfortable enough to laugh with her. I liked that her comedy went beyond simple jibes to Shay and Juju, but also had funny lines that poked fun at herself and at drag in general, and I think we didn't get a full picture of her set, but her set did seem to go along the direction of her initial pitch, which was a TED Talk about what drag is and what her personal experience with drag is. So I really like that that overarching concept was brought to the stand-up routine.
1: Mm, I found Cracker's set was really laugh-out-loud funny, but again, calculated and meticulously planned, nothing majorly game-changing or innovative from her compared to her past work, and in fact her strategy of going after Blair seems to have worked perfectly because, as she correctly anticipated, Blair said bombed so hard that Cracker looked miles better in comparison. Closing off the evening with Shay, who for someone coming up with brand new material on that day itself, it was actually pretty good, Ultimately, kind of underwhelming though, because like she mentioned, she's more of a conversationally funny person than a stand-up comedian. But separately, what is it with Ross and pushing her so hard to use her season 9 trauma for laughs? I'm glad she didn't make season 9 the whole point of her set, and she had a good variety of jokes overall.
0: I think Shay's performance was not too bad as well like you said probably at least on par with Jujubees I don't really have much to say for her set she had well written jokes that were delivered quite well and it was just unfortunate and we could tell that she isn't as much the natural at comedy as Cracker is and I think that difference was admittedly highlighted by her performance coming off right after Crackers
1: yep now, let's bring it to the runway. Runway. Run-run-r-runway. Category is... ah uh, freak out! First up is Jujubi. Toot. Toot is all I need to say. It's perfect with the spiky headpiece and the glittery tears on her cheeks and that gigantic campy chain she had draped around her. Utterly sublime.
0: Yep, Juju B's outfit is definitely a tune as well for me. It's very well done with all the different patterns and pattern blocking, and I think the headpiece and the chain links are also interestingly freaky touches to the outfit. Very club kid and vivacious feeling. My only remark is that the outfit feels a bit off on Juju. It doesn't really seem to fit her persona very well, and I wasn't exactly sure of what the character of it was. Next is Blair Sinclair who comes out in a black and white polka dot leotard with colorful muffs and puff balls all around her shoulders and limbs with a skeleton mask and a long thick tail on. Right? So she's kind of looking like this psychedelic Cheshire cat as she says. I'm not entirely sure what to feel about her look, it definitely fits the theme, but I wouldn't say that it is a blockbuster look because it feels a bit discombobulated and does not really have that level of finesse and refinement that we have come to expect from Blair given her previous runways such as the tuxedo gown prom outfit.
1: Agreed. For Fashion Queen, I unfortunately found Blair's look very underwhelming this week. It's very Dalmatian eat The Closet, there's a lot happening but not particularly cohesive overall, I'm afraid it's a boot for me. Third up is Ms Cracker, who comes out in an oversized Plague Doctor mask and coat that reveals into this nude bodysuit with black shiny detailing, giving me Enchantress from Suicide Squad vibes. It's a toot because it's definitely the most different out of all the looks. Plus, it's by one of my favourite designers, Diego Montoya, so I absolutely love it.
0: Yep, I really, really liked Cracker's outfit. She took a different spin on the word freak and strayed more into the macabre, which is fresh against the rest of the very bright and psychedelic runways. I think this runway is a successful toot for a few reasons, chief of which is because both of the looks she did and revealed into were good in and of themselves, right? I think that's a really important factor that when you reveal into a second look, the second look must at least be on par with and perfectly capable in and of itself. And next, I also think that the concept was very good, going from a plague doctor surrounded by death to becoming an image of death herself. right? So this is probably my top two of the week. Lastly, we have Shea Coulee, who comes out in this 90s fit with a pink bodysuit, leather harness, hand-dyed, technicolor fur coat, and platform shoes. I think Shay's look is also relatively safe and basically on par with Blair's, I would say. I don't have much to say about it, unfortunately.
1: Same. At this point, it's already a given that Shea will be drop-dead gorgeous no matter what, so I was expecting a touch more elevation of the concept. But I will say, though, that I absolutely loved Shay's makeup, so That's why it's still a toot, even though it's just a soft toot.
0: Now, going into deliberation, the judges decide that for the second week in a row, Ms. Cracker is the winner, while the remaining three are in the bottom. To be entirely, completely honest right here, if I were in Cracker's position now, I think I would honestly be thinking, what if I pulled Shay's lipstick out of my bra right now? Because we are literally, literally, on the last legs of the competition. And she is such a big competitor. I think it would make total sense to get rid of her. So, what, what about you? What do you think?
1: Yeah, right? Imagine if Cracker had that Manila moment like Naomi Smalls in All-Stars 4 and just straight up eliminated her biggest competition and fan favourite to win. In other words, she or even Juju, But really, I think it's pretty clear by now who's actually going to go home. Now, moving into the lip-sync for your legacy. For the last time this season, our lip-sync assassin comes on stage, and there's no more fitting ending than Kennedy Davenport, the dancing diva of Texas herself. Kennedy was fourth on season seven and runner-up on All-Stars 3, and earned her reputation as a lip-sync assassin through her high-energy dance moves and stunts. Except, those weren't there in this week's lip-sync to the country song Fancy by Reba McIntyre. Just a lot of coat flailing and not much knowing the words, especially on Kennedy's part. To be fair, it's a very vividly descriptive, but indeed very wordy, song. But it led to a pretty underwhelming lip-sync on both ends because There isn't much you can do to sell a song like this, the way you'd use, you know, stunts and dips to sell your typical club banger. If there had to be a lip-sync tie this season, I think this should have been it. Yeah,
0: Kennedy is known as the flip-master, who can do tricks and dips and flips and splits, but none of those were present today, and... I think it might have been because of the genre of the song being more country, as well as Kennedy's outfit being very flowy with like the cape coat and all. And I think, unfortunately, that worked out to Kennedy's detriment because those stunts and are her strengths. And delivering a lip sync with more bravado and control isn't, meaning that Cracker edged her out for this lip sync. In any case, Cracker wins the lip sync and she pulls out... Blair's lipstick, meaning that Blair Sinclair is the one to sachet away.
1: Unfortunately, this elimination was no surprise, but I'm really proud of Blair for making it almost all the way to the end in the crown. I think hers might be the biggest improvement of all the contestants this season from 9th place on season 10 to 4th year, so what she did is really no small feat given how strong her competition was. I do think there were a couple of weeks where she could have won if this season followed that traditional All-Stars format of having two winners each week, but sadly that wasn't the case this time, and she leaves with just the reading mini-challenge win from the first episode. I can tell how badly she wanted to stay, but I think she also probably knew that this would have been her time to go. She has so much to be proud of herself for.
0: Agree. We can safely say that Blair has had one of the best glow-ups out of the recent Rugals, but unfortunately, I just don't think that the drag race competition is the environment for her to thrive in and that her talents can probably be applied in much better contexts, like on a runway. In any case, that leaves Cracker, B, and Shea as our top three of All Stars 5. I must say that this was most likely the top 3 I would have envisioned out of our bunch of 10 girls. Well, at least I definitely pegged Shea and Cracker to be up there, but given Juju's strong record of being to the finale twice before, I guess there was no way to count her out all along. Same
1: here. This was the exact top 3 I saw when I first found out the cast, and I think it's a very, very close fight that will all depend on what happens at the finale. Like you mentioned last episode, there's going to be a lot of factors going into the choice of winner beyond track record, such as what they stand for and how they'll use their platform as a winner, so I'd definitely be looking to see how each of these factors was weighed in deciding the winner.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Skinny Thoughts.
1: Thank you all for listening, we've been Ray and Os. Join us next time for the season finale of All Stars 5 and another episode of...
0: Skinny, skinny <laughs>